What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Ride Share Rodeo. Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Presented by Uber Lyft drivers and Ride Share Rodeo. I'm your host, SJ. Let's get it on. So, uh, we're going to get some weeks of reprieve like we talked about last week. Um, you know, we all know how the election went. Um, for those following AB5, Prop 22, AB2257, um, Prop 22 passed, uh, allowing the gig companies to uh, not have to classify um, app-based gig workers as a as employees. However, if you've been, you know, go through and read Proposition 22. I was talking with this uh, with uh, David um, yesterday, and uh, you know, it's it's really there's there's a lot of language in there, room for interpretation too. So we had, I mean, I, I we had already been reading it through and through, but now that it's a thing, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, we'll have to. I guess we're going to have to see how all this plays out, but. One thing for sure is uh, now that that is the case, Prop 22 passed, app-based gig companies do not have to make uh, their the workers on the platform employees. I am really hoping that one piece of news we'll have in the next few weeks um, is that AB5 is thrown into the trash. And I don't mean that mean against the AB5 supporters, um, especially, you know, the gig ones who wanted that. Like I said, get out and vote. The vote will determine it. Um, that's how this country works. Uh, some people are upset about who the president will be now. Some people are upset about how this uh, AB5 Prop 22 went. So we'll live through it. We'll get through it. But I really want to see in the next few weeks this law just get thrown away because now – the law was created to go after the app-based gig companies, and it collected so many on the sides. And we, we've we talked about this so many times, but so many places and, and so many different uh, industries got carve-outs one by one by one, and which led to AB5 becoming AB2257. Um, but there's still so many people who will be affected by AB5 who now shouldn't be? I mean, this was a this was to go after the app-based gig companies, and the net that they threw out there happened to catch all the independent contractors and self-employed uh, business owners in that net, and that's why they started the carve-outs. But they, you know, there's still so many more carve-outs that are needed um, that I would just hope that the fact that there were three rounds of carve-outs. Rewriting AB5 to AB2257, uh, Prop 22 passing. It just seems like it's time to throw away AB5. And for all the AB5 supporters, um, it's. It, I'm not saying throw it away, it's done forever, but go, it, it, I think it's time to go back to the drawing board and, uh, you know, come up with a come up with a different approach to this because so many people are being hurt in California who have nothing to do with that base gig work but they need freelancers or gig workers or this or that to run their businesses and it's been putting them under um again i refer you back if you still haven't listened to episode 26 
where I speak with Gail Gordon, a nonprofit business owner in Southern California who has had to shut down due to the pandemic. And her story was, uh, it's one that everybody can relate to and, and you should see what I'm talking about. And now with Prop 22 passed, even more so. And in that conversation, I happened to ask Gail, don't you think that if Prop 22 passes that AB5 will just go into the trash? And she said, you know, I don't know, but I hope so. But I don't see any reason for it to be around. I mean, it's been attacked from every direction. It's hurt everybody during this pandemic. Um, It was targeted towards app-based gig, and it lost that. So what is it now? Um, Not really sure. (laughs) But uh, this week, like we talked about last week, we are we have ride uh we have legal ride share on the podcast so um we're going to talk about uh things that all drivers should know um you might already know it it might be a refresher to it uh to you you might not know some of the things that we're going to talk about um and uh so for new new people to the podcast for People who listen every week for new drivers, for veteran drivers, I recommend all of you listen to it. Um, well, of course I do, but <laughs> um, but seriously, because you know it can it can never hurt to have a refresher. And I've I I have uh, been communicating with Bryant Greening. Um, he's the uh, attorney and co-founder of Legal Rideshare. And he, they, you know, they give free consultations, but we walk through and in the interview, we're going to talk about all the things and scenarios and the, the, you know, the three phases of, of ride share. So give it a listen. Uh, and I'll come back on the other side. Hey, Brian, how are you? Good. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Um, uh, yeah, we've been wa- we've been wanting to have you on for a while, and I know I've listened to pieces throughout, uh, but I kind of wanted to get something dialed down because I-, I get a lot of people emailing me about a lot of questions, and I know that you know that I refer a lot of people your way. <laughs> we definitely appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I just I just you a lot great. of times the questions are just you know I don't even know if they- if they've been ones that you guys tackle or whatnot, but I know it's a good starting point for people. Yeah, you know, we always try to do our best to answer questions, and if we don't have answers at least point people in the right direction, uh, make sure that they can get what they need. Right. So, when, I mean, even people out of state, a good first call to you guys never hurts, and, and often you're able to help them locate in their area? Or Yeah, so for accident and injury claims, which is really our focus, Right. Um, we can help people most of the time. We can take on claims and um, help fight for medical bills, uh, wage loss, uh, pain and suffering, you name it. Re- um, regardless of state. Re- regardless of where the accident happened, correct. Um, but if we find ourselves in a situation where things might be specific to a certain jurisdiction or um, for whatever reason we think that the, the attorney would need to be local, we have connections nationwide to make sure that you find somebody not only that can represent you, but that has some background in ride-sharing, gig-related law. Okay. Um, 
Well, uh, as I was, as I announced prior to bringing you on, this is Brian Greening from LegalRideShare.com or LegalRideShare. Um, and uh, I know that one thing I really wanted to go over today that I really wanted to engrave, because I, I get a lot of people asking me about this, and it's, it's things that I've posted on, I don't know if you remember, but a couple of years back, you and I, uh, we're talking on Twitter, and then it became Jared. But I, I, th- I remember touching base with you a couple of years ago, um, <laughs> uh, and, then, and, and then it was Jared. But uh, so I've, I've actually known you guys for a while. It's just um, finally we're getting this this done. But I get a lot of people who ask me, um, and it's it's weird because I've been doing on UberLiftDrivers.com. I've been putting stuff up on this for years, but now that it's the podcast, people are asking me a lot more about commercial insurance and you know i find myself going back to the basics with them and it's really sad because um you know i i've been doing rideshare for six years now and i gotta say that back then i don't really recall how it was mentioned and i don't know how it's handled now as i haven't been a new driver in six years but i know that they didn't walk you through and tell you things like you're going to need this you're going to need that you're going to need to you know there's no training we all know this but yeah, you're exactly right there it's we found that insurance is the biggest pitfall in the process and, and honestly it's one of the biggest downfalls of the rideshare companies the fact that they don't make that information readily available and easily digestible to all the new drivers is a real shame uh, because a lot of people find themselves in really tough spots because they didn't have the right insurance from the start and they find out the hard way when it's too late. Right. So, I mean, you know, first of all, I guess, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, you are, but I guess I, one thing I wonder is, how it's even legal for Uber and Lyft to do that? Well, what they require is state minimum insurance on your vehicle. So technically speaking, the vehicles on the road are insured. They're just not insured to um, protect the driver of the rideshare car. So when we talk about rideshare insurance, it's important to talk about the different periods of the work. And your listeners obviously know the three periods. And period one, when you're cruising around waiting for a fare. Period two, when you're on the way to pick up a passenger with whom you've connected. And period three, when you've got that passenger in the car. Uh, During periods two and three, you're pretty well protected. Uh, But during period one, there's all sorts of gaps in the insurance. Uh, You're covered with very minimal uh, insurance through the company. And when it comes to property damage, Uber and Lyft, regardless of the period in which you're operating, are only going to match the insurance that you've taken out for yourself. So that's really the issue that a lot of drivers face is they, they get into an accident. Maybe they cause it. Maybe they don't. Maybe the driver that caused the accident is uninsured. And they go to the rideshare company and they say, my car is um, damaged. Therefore, I can't work right now. Will you... Um, you know, please fix it through your insurance policy. And Uber and Lyft will look at your private policy and they'll say, okay, well, you've got collision coverage, therefore we will match it since you were on the app. Or you don't have collision coverage, therefore you are out of luck. And, you know, good luck paying to fix your vehicle yourself and your lost wages in the meantime aren't going to be covered. Um, and you, you're really in a 
really tough spot uh, without a car and without a way to make money. Right. And so, I mean, I guess phase one, I mean, to be honest, maybe I'm viewing it wrong, but phase one to me seems like maybe that they really don't, I mean, shouldn't have to cover you either. And I'm not coming to their defense, but I mean, you are just waiting for a ride. You're not, you know, I don't know. I mean, of course it would be ethical and right for them to cover you in that period, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, I can see where maybe they would say no because, or why, or why wouldn't you just turn off the app and say you weren't on the app? There's a lot of drivers that do that. Um, where you come into some trouble is if there's reason to believe that you're on the app. So let's say you get in an accident and you know you caught you know worst case scenario in, in these sorts of events. The other driver you were in the accident with may see that Uber logo or that Lyft logo, tell the police officer, and then all of a sudden the, the mention of rideshare is in the report. And when the insurance companies that investigate the claim, they very well may find out that you were on the clock at the time. They would do that extra research and get in touch with uh, Uber and Lyft or their insurance company and you know find out the exact minute that this accident happened and whether or not the app was on. And if your insurance finds out that the app was on, you're not going to be covered. And there's also smaller policies out there. Uh, you know, you, you look at the for lack of a better word, crap, um, that that some companies offer, that it's just truly bare-bones insurance, doesn't cover anything, um, right. but a little bit of damage that you might cause to somebody else, a lot of those policies specifically exclude rideshare work, and they not only say, if you were involved in an accident during rideshare work, we won't cover it, but if we find out that you're doing rideshare in general, then it's a violation of the policy. And if the words ride share or Uber or Lyft or whatever are in the police report, they're going to deny the claim and drop your coverage just because you were dishonest in their mind when you took out the policy. Right. Well, I have noticed that a lot more uh, um, uh, cost-effective insurance companies out there um, have been starting to offer this insurance. Um. You know, like, I, I think I, the last one I saw was, like, Geico's offering it now or Progressive or um, – and I know there's a, a rating with insurance companies. Like, I have Allstate. So I know that Allstate's, like, an A-rated company, and I know that some others are, like, B or C. And um, I know that all that comes into play. But it seems like a lot more companies are getting into the – at least having that option available. People all the time, it really doesn't matter which insurance company you choose. Right. The most important thing is that you find a commercial policy that, that protects you. Now, every person is going to get, get a different quote from insurance companies. You and I might both go to Allstate or Progressive or State Farm and get two completely different quotes based on our demographics, our accident history, our right. credit yeah. history, you, you know, you name it. Right. So I encourage drivers to shop around and you know try all the, the known companies and make sure that you ask your agent, is this going to cover me when I'm on the Uber or Lyft platform or doing deliveries for Instacart or whichever work you may be doing? And as long as they say yes, then find 
find the rate that's best for you and, and go for it. Um, you know, it doesn't matter which company you choose as long as you've got the protection you need. So that's what I was going to say. Are, are they all pretty much like they follow each other in terms of matching and how that policy exactly works? You don't, obviously you want to look at all the details, but I mean, does some, yeah. are some of these companies out there not matching exactly or are some easier to deal with insurance wise or, are there any tips for drivers other than shopping it around and, and going with the best price? Well, the, the best advice I can give you is to make sure that you're adequately covered. So if you go to whatever company you go to, you want to make sure that you're taking out enough insurance to cover yourself if the worst-case scenario happens. You need to take out enough insurance to cover your assets so that you don't find yourself in a situation where you've taken out a, a minimal policy and somebody's trying to take the car or your house or garnish your wages. Um, so that's going to vary for every person. Um, the insurance policies themselves from reputable companies are going to cover the work. You know, it, it, when you go to a state farm, an all-state, a progressive, a Geico, there's several others. They're going to provide this coverage to you that you ask for. You just need to be honest from the get-go and say, I am right. a Lyft driver. I am an Uber driver. Protect me. I don't want there to be any surprises down the road. That's going to cost you a little bit more money than it would the average driver. Absolutely. This is your business, and this is your livelihood, and this is your life. So it's worth $10, $20, $30 more a month because you've got to keep your business going. And you've got to make sure that your assets are protected and your ability to continue your work uh, is protected. Yeah, see, I I, I fully agree. And, and like you just pointed out, that amount, like, you know, I mean, it differs. But really, that is all the difference is, and you're fully covered. So when I talk to people, I'm like, listen, that little bit of difference that it is, um, is your life. I mean, <laughs> you're, you, you really, like, without it, you're really rolling the dice. And that's where I kind of, you know, it makes me very angry with Uber that here I am feeling a bunch of these kind of comments and questions and they still to this day won't tell you, you need this, you know, it's, a, it's a, you know, or you need this insurance. It's like I was looking at Alto, the company in Texas. Well, they require that you have that going in. they're doing is they're setting the bar very low for entry. They want as many people as possible oh, to be able to drive on the platform. And the more hoops that they make people jump through or expenses that they make people incur, the less desirable the job's going to be. Right. That's why they, they withhold that information. We would love to see not only Uber and Lyft put this information on their website, which you know, there's, there's some basic information there. They're not hiding the ball. But they're not explaining it. They're, you know, they're saying you need a state minimum policy, but they're they're not explaining what that means and why that can be problematic if something should happen. They're, it's just basically a checklist. If you have X, Y, and Z, yes, okay, you can start driving. It's a really irresponsible way for the company to market itself, and it's, it ultimately hurts no one but the driver. So, so they're just putting the driver in harm's way. Yeah, that's that's how I see it too, and it it's crazy to me that they that they get away with that because 
I understand what you're saying, and it's always been that way. That's the same situation as them offering the bonuses to sign other people up and then taking those away and then now bringing those back because they don't have enough dr- drivers now after COVID or during COVID. Um, and they're trying to get drivers back on the road, so we've seen those promos come back up too. But again, like, you know, I just, you know, I, 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 I know, t- so I've met so many rideshare drivers across the country, and I'm sure you're aware too that I'm shocked at how many don't have the right insurance. And a lot of times it's just because they don't know. As, as soon as most of the time, them, yeah. Yeah, as soon as I get off the phone with somebody and I say that the first thing that you need to do when you and I hang up is call five insurance companies and sign up with the one that's going to give you the, the best insurance for the lowest rate, they say, okay, I'm going to go do it because they're, they're just now hearing this information for the first time. I'll tell you that recently we had a, a horror story with a client who was involved in an accident with an uninsured driver. She didn't do anything wrong. This person um, didn't have adequate coverage, or, or I should say any coverage, um, and our client was left with a moderately damaged vehicle. It was not total, uh, but it was not something that she could just go afford to, to fix herself. She was out of work for six months as she saved up the money to fix the car. And how you're in this catch-22. How is she saving money while she can't work? She didn't do anything to, to cause the accident. She didn't do um, really anything to, to put herself in the situation. Had she had the right insurance, it would have been an easy fix. She would have gone to her insurance company. They would have said, uh, this is... You know, there's a deductible here, so pay the $500, pay the $1,000, and she's in a much better position to get back on the road. Instead, she lost a half a year and um, has been struggling ever since. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was essentially a, a little bit more than a fender bender, and it cost her her livelihood and her ability to, to put food on the table. Yeah, I mean, you know, I... I, I... Probably not nearly as much as you guys, but I hear this all the time too. I mean, people contact me, ask me questions about what I'm, and it's based just on my knowledge. And that so often it's referring or finding out an answer for them. But I, I get these same kind of things. I'm just like, you know, it, it shocking stuff of of the people who who really are doing this who don't fully. They're, they're treating it like, and I know it is an app, but they're treating it like a game app almost because. And I'll, I'll admit. I did my research, but every time I need to get on the platform, if I need to do an update, I just click I agree like I always do. And I hate to admit mm-hmm. that, but, you know, we all do it. And it's... Who has time to read, you know, a 150-page legal document? And that's what they expect, is that you're just going to click accept. And you don't know what you're, what rights you're giving up or what changes there may have been. And, you know, that happened a lot with the arbitration agreements back in the day. Right. where a lot of drivers were waiving their rights to litigation. Uh, and there's a reason why they, they want those things to be hidden, because they benefit the company, not the driver. Yeah, absolutely. So in respect to the the three phases, it's I know it's different, but with app-based delivery and grocery space, is there anything that they need to know as well? Yeah, yeah the... the with regard to delivery, uh, it's the same insurance that you need. There's the, 
coverage in a lot of those for the, a lot of those delivery apps are is actually worse than for Uber and Lyft. Um, you're covered less of the time um, because there's really only two phases. You know, you either you either have a something in your car or you don't, and if you don't, you're going to have that state minimum insurance coverage. You're basically in period one for more of your time. Um, I would say that you want to tell your your insurer again. I'm doing delivery work. My work isn't just limited to ride share. It's you know I'm also doing Instacart. I'm also doing Uber Eats, uh, Postmates, whatever it may be. I would say in most situations it's a one size fits all insurance policy. It's broadly construed as commercial work, but being honest from the get go and being um, you know giving as much information as you can to the insurance company allows you to ensure that you are protected no matter what app you're working on. Be specific with them so they can tell you, yes, it fits Instacart, yes, it fits Uber Eats, yes, it fits Uber and Lyft. Uh, you want them to cross all those companies off their their list so that they're aware and you're aware and everybody's on the same page when the inevitable occurs. Right, and that's, I mean... So it's kind of strange to me, though. So if they're never having a passenger in the car, they still need to have commercial insurance. What if they don't drive rideshare? They should still have a commercial policy. Uh, okay. Because when they've got a, a delivery in the car, when the food is in the car or the groceries are in the car, you're doing commercial work. And it's always... You know, Steve, you had said earlier, a lot of drivers will just turn off the app and say, I was operating the car for personal use. Well, you're rolling the dice. That yeah. Probably, that, that probably will work a lot of the time. Uh, but if somebody gives a piece of information to the police officer, or if you make a statement at the scene not really thinking about it, uh, it could be something as innocuous as, you know, officer, I, I really got to get going because the you know my delivery is getting cold. You, you might just say something like yeah. that. All of a sudden, we're talking about a commercial incident, and you're gambling your livelihood if you don't have the right insurance. Yeah, I can I can see that, and, and I wasn't in no way also to the listeners of this podcast. Am I telling you to try and turn it off if you're in that phase one? I, I don't think you should because a lot of times people in phase one, too. I mean, I've been around the block enough times to, to watch other drivers, talk to them, see how they work. I mean, like if they've been sitting somewhere for five, ten minutes and going, why am I not getting a ride? And even veteran drivers, you know, then they get a ping and it's at a hotel and they're downtown and they know it's probably an airport ride. It's going to be a good ride for money wise. And they kind of tear out of there. You know, not really given, and I hate I hate to say it, but not really. You know, they look, of course, and but they'll try and juggle into traffic, and because they don't want to have that call be dropped and lose it. And so it's almost it's almost like a wake up for them. You know, they're like relaxing in their car, waiting for the ping, and they get it, and then boom, they're taking off. So I think I, I think you're in some really iffy ground. I, I just am surprised that Uber and Lyft can request that kind of data. Uh, or that that the insurance. I mean, I know that they should be able to, but I know I just know how notorious Uber and Lyft are for not providing data that's needed for so many things. <laughs> well, 
the insurance companies often work together to sort out liability and coverage. Right. It's not unusual that a progressive will call a state farm or a state farm will call an all state and ask for information that they have about their insured and their policies. Because at the end of the day, insurance is all about who pays. And if one insurance company doesn't believe that they are responsible, they could take the other to court. They could, they may pay out a claim and then take the other insurance company to court to, you know, to establish that they shouldn't have paid, seek reimbursement. Then you might find yourself in some sort of litigation where you're giving statements to insurance companies or depositions. And this all could be avoided if you just took out the insurance that you need for yes. the work that you're doing. Yes. You're, you own a business as much as, you know, we, we talk about working for a rideshare company. Until you are given employee status, you are an independent contractor, you are an entrepreneur, and you need to protect your business. Because as soon as something happens that doesn't allow you to do that work, you're going to be in a really rough spot without a means to put food on the table, uh, God forbid, a roof over your head, um, and it can be easily avoided with a small expense. See, and that's, and that's another thing, too. When people first started asking me about the difference, you know, like, wait, I have to have this other insurance? I think that people, or at least some people I talked to, and this is a year plus ago, two years ago, let's say, that they would say to me, like, well, you know, I, I, I just can't afford that. But then I was learning that they weren't, they didn't know what the prices were. They weren't calling. You know, they were just, like, thinking, I don't want to tell my insurance I'm doing rideshare. And I, and I was thinking, right. you, you absolutely need to. They don't care that you're doing it. They're just going to charge you a little more. And when, it's, when we first started talking about Uber and Lyft as a concept, insurance companies were scared of it. They thought that there was going to be all this additional liability that they were taking on. And in the end, they realized that this is an opportunity to create more business for themselves. It's where years ago, 2015, 2016, there, there probably was some truth to the expense of the commercial policy. Now, the insurance companies want people to take it out. They're, they're asking you a lot of times, do you need this extra endorsement? Yeah. And they're just thinking, <laughs> here's another 30 bucks every month. It's great. It's great for, for the insurance company. They're not shying away from it. Uh, they're offering it. Right. No, I know. I, and I and, and now you're talking about my era of when I was coming on the platform, too. And you are right. The price difference was tremendous, but it almost was like Uber wasn't even like, not only were they not telling me about it, but they weren't even like putting out anything about it. It was, it was just like, you, almost like you don't need it in, the, in those years. And again, that's the, the low bar of entry. That's that was their thought process. We get as many drivers as we can on the road. Right. Let them come on the platform without any hoops to jump over uh, or jump through. Um, and, and it worked, but it, it really devastated a lot of people when they found out the hard way that they were at risk and vulnerable. Right, absolutely. So I know that some of the services that you guys do um, – 
injury, property damage, but I also I saw wage loss too. And I was wondering if you guys dealt with how if you guys have dealt with some of these COVID nineteen specifically to Uber that they were supposed to be paying the three week average or three weeks on an average to COVID patients because I've talked to quite a few who did everything correct and never got any money from Uber. We heard that as well, and it's a little bit outside of our area in terms of the the wage loss claim related to COVID because that was an extra benefit that Uber was providing. There was not a a legal requirement that they pay that. But what we actually did when we found out that Uber was not um, putting their money where their mouth is, um, we actually started a driver relief fund, and um, that's since ended. But during the initial stages of uh, pandemic, we were writing checks to drivers uh, to who had lost income and lost their ability to earn because we were appalled to hear that they were counting on Uber's statements and Uber, you know, was just leaving them high and dry. So uh, our uh, our work in that area um, was basically stepping up where Uber was was failing. Yeah, I mean, to me that that was ridiculous too because it wasn't even like they were offering you some. If you get COVID, we're going to take care of you. They were saying you're going to get three weeks of pay based on your last 40 weeks average or whatever it was. And I was like, you know, that's not really that great anyway. It's nice that you're doing it. But then I found out you're not even doing it <laughs> or they weren't even it doing it. PR it's, yeah, yeah. That they, they made it um, known that it, it basically they were. People were upset with Uber and Lyft at the time because they weren't uh, they weren't providing employee benefits, which is you know how this AB five Prop twenty two and, and all that um, you know came came after the fact. Um, but they were saying we will step up in this limited case and we will provide these benefits to our drivers because we recognize that they're on the front lines. And Uber and Lyft put drivers in cars with passengers knowing the risks. Um, so it, it only made sense that they would pay uh, at least something when people got sick. And then they made the process so difficult that drivers either couldn't appropriately apply because they, they couldn't possibly meet the requirements, uh, such as getting a you know medical authorization saying that you contracted COVID in the car. You don't know exactly where you contracted COVID. Right. The chances are it was, in, it was that work. Um, so by, by making these requirements so difficult, they effectively absolved themselves of providing the benefits they had promised. Yeah, almost, I mean, literally to the people I've talked to, almost literally to everybody, and everybody followed it to a T. Send in your, send in your positive results for COVID, they were doing everything, and then it was just they never got the money. Yeah, it's a real shame. And then they found themselves off the platform, too. And even once they had gone back for two more tests and sent those two tests in like they asked, like Uber wanted you to do, saying you did not have COVID anymore, they still weren't getting back on the platform. Yeah, the company failed in a lot of ways. And again... Those failures seem to come at the driver's detriment. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I know people who, you know, they they did it properly. And, uh, you know, we had one guy on the podcast who his wife was a um, 
she worked as a nurse and she got it. He didn't know if he had it. He went and got tested. He had it. He uh, let Uber know and sent the results and he's been doing it full time and they, and he really needed that money and they didn't get it to him. And he got his, his results back like about a week later, he went and took another test or two. He was already clear of it. So he barely had, he was one of those minimal situations, but, um, when he sent it back, they still didn't put him back on the platform for like months. And he never, he hadn't been driving Lyft even though he was a Lyft driver, like many drivers we know, Lyft had their years where they were kind of the better company in a lot of states to drive with, but then they lost that. So he hadn't drove for Lyft in a long time, but now that he was clean of COVID, he just started driving for Lyft again because he was like, well, I never told them that I had it. Well, they put drivers in an impossible situation. So they, they essentially encourage sick drivers to keep driving because the bills don't stop coming in just because you're ill. And by not providing some benefit and some cushion, drivers had to make a decision. They had to ask themselves, do I take my chances, continue to drive, put myself at risk, put people who are in my car at risk, or do I sit at home and, and not earn? And Uber and Lyft should have stepped up to the plate and made sure that ill drivers had the opportunity to at least pay their bills in yeah. the two weeks that they needed to quarantine and get back on the road. They, they continually put drivers at risk, whether it's their health, their finances, you name it. Um, that seems to be the MO of these companies. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been through all their, you know, do do five trips in a row late at night, too, after I've been on the road for 10 hours, and do five in a row, and you'll get 50 bucks on a Friday night. And you do those four, bing, bang, boom, and then you just don't get that fifth for an hour or so. You know, it's yeah. it's like, and, and I know, I just, you know, I've, I've tried to dissect the algorithm in my head a hundred times. And I'm telling you, like, every time I do, like, I, I've found that, like, I've told people never turn on at your house because even though the algorithm's not supposed to take that into account, I honestly believe it does. I think you get skipped over if you're sitting at home because they know you're sitting on your couch, probably not working. Um, so I always say go a mile or two from your house and turn on there because I think you stand a better chance to... It's supposed to be closest car, but I honestly believe... If your car's in your driveway, they just have a little more skip you over, maybe. Oh, the, the lack of transparency in gig work in general yeah. is one of the <laughs> biggest downfalls. And, you know, you don't, we don't know how the algorithm works. I don't have any knowledge whether, you know, there's any, any uh, validity to any of the things that people say. But I do know that the companies themselves are incentivized to keep drivers on the road, to keep the company's expenses as low as possible, and they're going to do what they can to maximize their bottom line. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, they just brought it when they started, though, and they brought everybody on, you know, like even me, I've seen it transpire so much from, you know, like what, what I used to make, and I know everybody can do this, but it was crazy what it was five years ago to now. 
mean, and I know that they were spending money they didn't have. I mean, I know that they were throwing all kinds of money at drivers just to, I guess, you know, part of it is if you really want to, this is part of the problem with the Giants, Lyft, and Uber, is that if you really want to take them on or, you know, and be a, be a rideshare startup, it's very difficult because Uber populated the streets by overpaying everybody and getting hundreds of thousands of cars out there. And, I mean, most companies who want to get compete with that are going to have a tough time because you, how are you going to get your drivers and your passenger base? And we've seen so many start up and close that it's, you know, it's, it's obviously tough. Well, and that's initial uh, competition with the taxi industry. And they pushed prices so low that taxis couldn't compete. And when taxis uh, went away, then they could raise the price for the customer and reduce the pay for the driver because there's no competition. Right. Uh, and then you, you see a similar model when there is um, rideshare competition. They just, like you said, they can price them out. And that's the benefit of being the big guy. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I am glad to see that there's some companies starting to set, starting to try different angles with it, like even Dumpling, you know, who does grocery space. I know that they're, you know, we had them on the podcast, and they're they're getting into rideshare a little bit. They're testing it um, on a different model, though, on the same model they run there, where you really are your own business owner, and uh, it's a much, I don't know, it's a, it sounds like a a much better system if they if their beta goes well, but we'll see. Um, I guess so. When when is when is I guess the big question here then is when do should because I think I know, but I want to hear it from you. When does a driver slash gig worker call you guys? So we are primarily an accident and injury law firm. So if you've been in an accident, we recommend that you give us a call. Uh, for property damage claims, typically what would happen is we would walk you through the process. We don't charge anything for a free consultation. You generally wouldn't hire a lawyer for that. It's something you could handle with your insurance uh, company or, or the at-fault driver's insurance company. But it's nice to hear how the process goes. And we can tell you who to talk to and what to say and how to make uh, the claim work in your favor. And if you're injured, then... It often is in your benefit to hire a lawyer because there's all sorts of legal claims that somebody who doesn't handle these uh, these types of insurance uh, cases would know how to how to claim or ask for without the assistance of a lawyer. So if you've been in an accident, give us a call. If you're injured, there's a, a pretty good chance that we would be able to represent you and um, you know increase the amount of money that would go into your pocket. Um, and if you know, if nothing else, we can make sure that you have the information that you need to put yourself on a path to, reco- to recovery, whether it's um, medical or financial or both. So if, let's say you're in an accident and you've got some passengers in the car uh, and you, you're right there at the scene, you call your insurance, obviously, you let them know, uh, if there's you get your police report all that kind of stuff if even if the passengers let's say the passengers have had a couple drinks they're not hammered or anything but they've had a couple drinks and they're like no no we're all good we're all good is that still a time to call you yeah so we would want to talk with the driver no matter what Uh, if they've been in an accident particularly if there's passengers in the car you want to 
cross all your T's and dot all your I's. Uh, what happens at the accident scene is, is vital. And we actually have a, a driver checklist for handling accidents. And if anybody wants one, they can reach out to us uh, directly, and I'd be happy to send it to you to save on your phone or point out and put in your glove compartment. Um, but you've got to make sure that you talk to the passengers, get their contact information, because they're going to be hard to get a hold of later. They're witnesses to what occurred, and you want to make sure that your lawyer or your insurance company can get in touch with them. Right. You want to call the police. Uh, have them make an accident to document the positions of the vehicles, the statements that people made at the scene, if there's skid marks or broken glass, then they can collect evidence. Um, you want to take pictures so that you have evidence of what the cars look like right after the occurrence. Uh, property damage photos can go a long way in establishing who caused the accident, how bad the uh, damage is, uh, establishing a mechanism of injury. If, you know, a couple of days later, you find out that your your neck's bothering you or your back's bothering you. You can, you can show why that is. Um, these are all things that uh, every driver should should know to do at the scene and um, should should do at the scene to protect themselves and their interests. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I'm a big pusher, as I should be, on dash cams. And I'm sure that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that in every case you guys love dash cam footage. <laughs> so. We do, because the camera doesn't lie. Right. So when you have cases, which happen all the time, where uh, it's a he said, she said situation, one driver says that the other one ran the red light and vice versa, uh, the dash cam shows us who had the green light. And that's going to help establish your case in a court of law or with an insurance adjuster, um, look, if, if you're at fault, then that's why you have the right insurance. But if you're not at fault, we need to be able to prove that. And we need to, to maximize your recovery with the evidence that you gathered at the scene. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, I'm getting to a point where I think every driver should have a dash cam. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, just... We agree. I mean, because there's because there's some that are really good that are so cheap out there too. There's just no reason not to. You know, as long as you got, we tell tell drivers put a dash cam that records out your windshield and back into your car. Yep. Uh, and you're set. And it's an initial investment, often less than a hundred dollars. We've seen them for. And yeah. It's your next insurance policy. Other than this rideshare insurance endorsement that we talked about. Uh, for the past 40 minutes, um, the next biggest purchase is your dash cam. And if you have those two things, then you're pretty well protected for the work that you're doing. And you're pretty certain to, to keep yourself on the road, um, you know, as long as you want to continue doing work. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the, obviously the right insurance is a must, but I also, I tell everybody, I think we're starting to get to a point where people get it because for a long time I was shocked how many people don't use dash cams. I mean, it's the majority. It blows, the it blows majority me away. You know, it blows me away because it, it, it doesn't necessarily just have to be an accident. You might get somebody in your car who robs you. <laughs> you know? Right. Or an <laughs> allegation against you. There, we've had drivers, I'll, I'll give you an example. We spoke to a driver who had somebody eating in the back of his car, like a messy burrito or something, and he 
you please not eat in my car? Uh, the person started yelling at him, started saying, I'm going to tell Uber that you were drunk. Uh, the driver politely pulled the car over and said, I need to, I'm ending the ride. I need you to get out of my car. The passenger starts screaming at him, again, saying, I'm going to report you. We were able to use that footage to get that driver back on the platform after Uber deactivated him based on the false accusation. So it's, it can literally save your job. Um, and it doesn't have to be an accident. Like you said, it can be any event that happens. And this, this work is totally unpredictable. So right. you might as well have eyes in your car for when the unpredictable happens. I mean, I've, I've had my, luckily my dash cam rolling and I've had a couple of times where, you know, late night, I'm picking up somebody and the wrong person gets in my car and I'm tired and I'm not on my, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not fully on it. And I didn't, you know, this is back when, but like maybe I didn't clarify good enough who it was or I said the name and they're like, sure. And I just didn't do proper procedure a hundred percent. And then I find out I have the wrong person in the car, which I'm guessing is a, could be a huge problem too. But I'm always glad I have that dash cam rolling cause I'm sober and then I, you know, we get a little ways. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I think I got the wrong person here. Right. <laughs> you know, <it's... laughs> it happens. Yeah. You know, if you can, that's the type of event that could easily go the wrong way for the driver. That's and what... you have your dash cam rolling. It's going to be good evidence for you that an honest mistake wasn't something worse. Exactly. I mean, because I mean, you could get as we've seen. I mean, a lot of times. They are legit, but a lot of times they're not. People will accuse you of everything, rape, uh, and it might not be true. And you have an impartial set of eyes in your car, that dash cam can be a lifesaver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so absolutely, the one the one clarity I wanted, did want to make, though, is still proper procedure in an accident. Police, call your insurance, but then get in touch with you guys. That's right. Give us a call. Um, our consultations are always free, so there's really no harm in, in dialing our number. Um, we'll give you all the information that you need to move forward with your claim yourself or, or with us. You know, whatever the right the outcome is in each particular situation, we're happy to take the phone call and encourage drivers to do it. Okay, well... I, that's all I got. Unless, do you have a words of wisdom for our drivers out there, or gang, last words, or anything that? Yep. Nope. The, the, last, <laughs> the last words would be uh, insurance and dash cams. Ins insurance. That, that's it. <laughs> um, and you can visit us at legalrideshare.com. Uh, email us at help at legalrideshare.com. Um, and we are always available and eager to help. Yeah, you can also find all these guys on social media too. So, um, so I'm telling the podcast listeners that you know you guys are on. I know you're on Twitter. I'm sure you're on other ones too. Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah, um, you know, YouTube is actually a great place for more information. If you're looking for step by step how to handle an accident, how to file insurance claims, things like that, we've got videos for everything. So it's um, a good resource. Okay, well, Brian, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for helping out some of our riders because hopefully this will, uh, um, hopefully this comes out at a right time because there seems to be a whole new batch of drivers coming on because of COVID. 
and drivers leaving because of COVID. So it's it's a good time for people to understand Uber's not going to walk you through this. And they're not going to hold your hand. They're not going to make sure you did anything right. <laughs> they're going to they're going to ask if you have a valid driver's license, insurance, um, pick uh, your car is meets the year criteria, and then you have re- valid registration. That's it. No training, right. nothing. I mean, that's all they're going to do for you guys. So, um, you know, you really gotta, you gotta, you gotta ask other drivers. You gotta get out there, like like Brian said, go to their YouTube channel. Um, and there's some other resources too if you want to get a little more advanced about stuff or finding out how to deal with unruly customers and things like that. But um, you know, learn because Uber will not teach you. They're not gonna. They're not watching your back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's on the driver to, to educate themselves and to be prepared for whatever situations are thrown at them. So it's always better to be prepared before uh, the inevitable occurs. That's what we always say. Yeah, I fully agree. And I, I will continue to – sometimes I always wonder if I bombard you guys or I'm sending you the wrong type of people, but I will continue to send people your way. <laughs> no, we, we appreciate the, the shout-outs and we, we yeah. appreciate the referrals. Yeah, you guys have always been cool. You've answered all the questions I've ever had. So, I mean, like, I know there's a couple other companies that do it out there, but I know that a lot of people have gone through you now, and I know you guys are, you know, do only this. I mean, this is what you do. <laughs> so, This is our focus. This is why we're here. Yeah. Well, again, Brian, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate this, and hopefully some drivers pick up on the importance of the dash cam, but especially the the correct insurance, because it's nothing to be scared of. People, you can ask your insurance company; they're not going to get mad at you. You know, they might; ju- they're just going to tell you a different quote than they did without having commercial insurance. <laughs> You're just going to get a different number. That's all. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Steve, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate the invite, and I hope we've been helpful. Yeah, it's been totally helpful. Thank you, Brian. All right. Have a nice one. Yeah, you too. We'll talk soon. All right. So I guess the main knowledge to take away from this week's podcast would be to just kind of double check your business. Remember, um, this is your business. You're not an employee. Um, This is your business. Uh, Just like when we had Dumpling on and they were talking about you're creating your own business. It's, It's a different way. We like their platform so so much better because the uber your your own business is a very confusing thing so you know they'll let you sign up they'll let you put every, you know enter the pieces of things you need and do your background check and all that and then they kind of let you out on the platform you don't get training you don't you don't get the what you really need and whatnot um you know, I hopefully all of you caught that, you know, consultations are free with Legal Rideshare. Um, they're good guys and, uh, you know, can never hurt. Just like he was saying, uh, you know, shop around for your insurance. Well, you know, um, even if, like, you think you got it all under control, uh, there's no reason that if you were in an accident for rideshare, and everybody's okay with it, and you get everybody's name and everything like we talked about in that interview, uh, you, you know, you're in a good position, you have a dash cam, that still doesn't mean you shouldn't call them because these guys will give you free advice. And I'm telling you, um, 
unless you went to law school and are opening up your own rideshare uh, legal firm, then there is no reason to not call these guys because they specialize in it. They've dealt probably with your scenario, you know, a handful, many handfuls of times. So, um, you know, just, you know, like we always say, like take care of yourselves, you know, look out for yourselves. Uber isn't going to do it. Um, there are some standards and things that Uber and Lyft do in scenarios where they, they're obviously they have to help. That's part of how this works, but hopefully everybody caught a little something from the interview and, uh, and now you know how to get in touch with them too. Uh, let's see real quick. I wanted to give them a shout out again. Uh, by the way, if you need to, if you want to reach legal rideshare, uh, best way, um, at least for me, first thing is always internet. So, you know, you can go on social media, um, and find them. Like he said, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, for me, you know, legalrideshare.com takes you right there. Um, and also, uh, you know, from the website, you can give them a call directly, whatever you want to do, just reach out, email them. Um, but, uh, I think there's some important stuff to be in here, you know, like, um, hopefully, hopefully everybody took something from this. And if not, hopefully it reminded you at least, you know, if you've been taking time off because of COVID or if you've been, uh, not able to drive because of COVID, or if you lost a job and you used to drive and you're going back to driving, maybe this even served as a refresher if you already knew it, but I get this, these questions a lot. And that's what I was referring to in the interview. And I think it was good to have Bryant say it because uh, you need to know this stuff. It's important, people. It's your business. It's it's your ass on the line. Don't let it be your ass that's hung out to dry. Okay? So um, that said, uh, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, do something great for somebody, do something great for yourself. And, uh, we'll see you back here next week on the rodeo. Peace.